It's Tuesday, August 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. From Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Maker. Back for round two. Back Good for night, round night. two. We're just, we're just packing in as much Joe Maker as we can this week. Earnings Palooza rolls on. We will talk Coach. We will talk Bloomin' Brands because, let's face it, it's Bloomin' Brands and we don't get a chance to talk about them very much. Uh, and we will get into Target's latest news. But let's start with Coach. Yesterday, Michael Kors. Today, Coach. Fourth quarter. You got to be a little bitter, I think, if you're Michael Kors today because <laughs> Michael Kors, as we talked about, put up some good numbers and the stock was down. Coach, fourth quarter sales down 7%, profits down more than 60%. And the stock was up. How low are the expectations for this company now? I mean, to be to be fair, they they they're really low. I mean, I, I think as as one <laughs> they must be as one who's followed the company for a while now. And Charlie Travers and I talk a good bit about Coach. And uh, you know, 2014 was a really really it, it was a bad year for Coach. I mean, they, Wait, they just, it two, seemed like every fiscal fiscal 2014. Oh, fiscal, okay. so, yeah, and so I mean, every every quarter it seemed like it just got worse and worse and worse. But you know, I, I think that it did. It didn't just seem like it. It did. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, it did get worse. You're right. Good, good, good call there. But it's not like they're lighting the world on fire. But actually, I think you know this is a positive step forward this this past quarter. Uh, you know, wrapping up what was a very brutal year. And, and obviously, we talked yesterday about the catalyst coming in September. That's really that's that's the moment of truth, right? I mean, we're going to see if there's anything really to this strategy of switching over to a lifestyle brand because they basically can't turn back now. They've they've said, okay, we're gone are the days of of luxury and affordable luxury. We are going to be, you know, a lifestyle brand now, and we're and we're going to see if that works out. But I mean, you know, international saves this company's bacon quarter in and quarter out, right? North North American sales and comps are just dismal. Uh, international, they continue to, to perform well in China. I mean, I, I was impressed to see their men's division hit $700 million uh, in sales this, this past year globally. So It's a lot of mercies. It, it, it is, you know, and, and so I think they're it's 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 really tough to say. I think again, it's it's all going to come down to September. But but again, it's it's managing expectations, and they really every quarter just continued to lower that bar. So eventually, you knew it ha- they had to be able to clear it. In this quarter, they were able to clear it. Is this stock now in no. ju- in value territory? <laughs> no, I know a lot of people say say it is, but you know, it's selling at was of yesterday. It was selling at about ten and a half times earnings. Balance sheet very good shape. Absolutely true. Lots of net cash. Selling at ten and a half times earnings sounds cheap. I haven't updated it for the precipitous decline <laughs> in quarterly earnings uh, recently. But EBIT margins contracted thirty percent to twenty three percent. That is some serious deleveraging. Um, you know, Jason obviously has followed the company better than I have. I don't know the story all that well, but when I see six percent sales drop and I see no deleveraging on cost. So they've got a ton of well, they are deleveraging. Sorry, but they're not cutting any of their overhead. SGNA is still high. Mm. I mean, to be fair, they are cutting a little bit of that. I mean, they closed down. A, 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 I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy or so stores over the course of the year. Uh, you know, they did they did eliminate a, a right. number of positions, so they so they got rid of some jobs there. Uh, they are they are sort of cutting the fat, but I mean to Joe's point there. I mean you know these stocks are cheap for a reason, right? It's not like there's something the market's missing. I mean the market's totally right. You know sales are falling off a cliff, and, and, and there's nothing really to say that it should be you know they should be coming back anytime soon. It's it's more or less kind of a binary event now. Either in September, Stuart Beaver's collection is received well, and and, and you know the 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 market starts to to feel like maybe Coach has a future again. 
if Stuart Weaver's collection is even you know lukewarm, if the reception is even lukewarm, I I, I just I don't I don't think the uh, you know I don't think the coming year for coach is going to be good at all. So again, I mean, all signs point toward a pretty decent reception there. I mean, what they've seen thus far, uh, you know, leads me to believe it, it could be a, it could be a decent year for them kind of uh, coming back. But but again, you know, like I said yesterday, it's not one you back up the truck on. I mean, if if you're looking for a sort of a higher risk sort of retail play, it, it may be worth looking at, but understand what you're getting into. Do you think that we're going to have to wait until quarterly results come out three months from now, or do you think we'll get some sort of indication? I mean, I mean, one scenario is it's a huge hit with consumers. If you're coached, do you do everything you can to sort of get that story out there, or do you wait for quarterly earnings and pop a big surprise on people? I got to believe they're going to be pushing this as hard as they can. I mean, I think they would any 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 press for coach at this point is going to be almost good press and so if they you know if they see any any uh good reception from this i think they'll make sure that we know it isn't part of the reason that they ended up where they're at and just tell me cuz i don't know but they were diluting the brand by going further down market in, in precisely terms of selling what happened so isn't going to a lifestyle brand like just further down that path. Well, that's Am ultimately the path. No, that's that's ultimately sort of that that path that they're taking. I mean, I think they hit the point where they realized, uh, for better or worse, that that luxury or affordable luxury there wasn't really uh, you know the growth there that maybe they anticipated, and so the the idea was to to go further downstream towards that lifestyle brand mm-hmm. where they have shoes and hats and coats and watches and all that other crap. <laughs> maybe it works. I'm maybe it doesn't. I mean, we'll coach, see. Uh, Keychain, you know, but it's uh, it, it's definitely not the coach that we knew, you know, three mm-hmm. years ago. Shares of Target falling a little bit this morning. Target lowered guidance on second quarter earnings. The data breach, which happened, what I guess, what are we looking at? Like nine months ago, ten months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Target is now saying the cost of that. Is somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 million dollars. Uh, that's just in in real dollars, of course. In terms of what it did to brand reputation and that sort of thing, that's harder to quantify. But is there anything about Target, a stock which has also gotten hit over that same timeline? Is there anything about Target that excites either of you guys as an investor? Well, trying to overcome my well-worn dislike of retail. You know, these guys have had slightly dropping sales. Obviously, they took a big brand hit. Um, you know, in the, in the long term, I don't think this breach is a big deal. But it's selling at 16 times forward earnings for a company that isn't growing sales and is somewhat lost as a brand. I feel like Target is somewhat lost as a brand. It's, it isn't merchandising as well as it used to. It's somewhat middling around the, the push into Canada. You know, They were touting sales growth there, but I don't think it's going especially well. So you put those things together, mediocre performance, recent management change, which maybe that'll work out, but with the valuation, it doesn't really add up for me. I, I was going to ask, because you know, 16 times earnings Let's face it. Target's not going anywhere. Tar- Target is nowhere near. I mean, we've talked about troubled retailers in the past. They're not nearly in the type of danger that, setting aside Radio Shack, even like a J.C. Penney yeah, was a couple of years a, ago. For like a no-growth business, that's a pretty rich price. Yeah, and I think you just. I mean, for me, I, I just would rather play into the 
the bigger, longer-term trend there. I mean, so I think we've talked about this before, but I mean, I just say for me, I would look more towards the e-commerce side of things, and I feel like I mean, the the, the obvious, the obvious play in the space there is something like Amazon. Uh, but e- but even you look at Walmart, for example, and I mean, I admire what Walmart's doing in trying to vamp or trying to really to really build a robust e-commerce business, and it's working out. I mean, e-commerce is becoming a higher and higher percentage of their revenues every year. It, and I mean, let's face it, I mean, Walmart certainly they wrote the book on on big box retail, and they have certainly a very uh, a big footprint, much larger than than Target ever would. So. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I could see at least from an income investor's perspective where Walmart might be attracted from that. Uh, I think tar- that angle. I think Target's earnings, when they actually report them, will be interesting because we've seen before companies lower guidance on earnings, maybe you know three or four weeks before they come out, and the stock really gets hit. This this is only down a couple of percentage points this morning. If they come out and just lay a goose egg, <laughs> then I think uh, all bets are off on Target. Yeah, and you know, Jason, to your point about Walmart having some success with online, it's, I, I would say it's some success. I, Amazon really, I'm sorry, Target really shot themselves in the foot when they outsourced their entire e-commerce platform to Amazon for years. And I think they really set themselves back a decade, and they're a total non-factor in online. And when you look at how big Amazon's already got, you look at how big eBay is, and then you have Walmart, which is tiny, tiny online compared to those guys, but still much bigger than Target, way too late. Well, and from a strategy standpoint, Walmart is handling things better than Target has been. Yeah. Bloomin' Brands, for those unfamiliar, uh, is the parent company that has 1,500 restaurants, including Outback Steakhouse, uh, Carabas Italian Grill, Bonefish Grill. Here's a quote from CEO Liz Smith uh, on their latest quarter. We're not satisfied with our results this quarter. And that's good, because investors aren't either. Uh, Blooming brands down more than 20%. Uh, how, how bad is this? For them, I mean, this this seems like a horrible quarter. But when I see things like well, dinner sales were a little weaker than we were expecting, uh, we have a declining business in South Korea. Really, <laughs> it's coming down to like because that's the needle mover. We're, we're yeah. blaming South Korea for th- this horrible quarter. Well, I mean, so comps were relatively flat, traffic was flat, margins were flat, management said traffic. Uh, didn't recover as they thought it might. And I'm going to give you just one guess as to where that traffic is going, Chris, and it rhymes with Fitfoltle. <laughs> you look at these two companies, and you really look at the restaurant industry in general. I mean, you can see where where fast casual is is playing its role here and disrupting sort of that casual dining space. We see the same thing from Darden. You know, they got rid of Red Lobster because there was nothing there. I mean, all of these Applebee's, all of these, all of these casual dining restaurants are really having to sort of to revamp their their game here. You see them moving to to uh, tableside ordering and payments. I mean, they're trying to eliminate sort of the friction there of having to go in and sit down and deal with, you know, the more time uh, you know, consuming experience there. And, and I mean, you know, I mean, it was interesting to see with with Outback. I mean, the the, the best performer was Fleming Steakhouse. Uh, comps were up, so I think somewhere in the which I've never heard which, of. Well, I've been there. <laughs> oh, okay. There's a Fleming's where, where, in Tyson's Corner. Oh, okay. Uh, it's 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 very nice. I mean, certainly a couple of steps up from an Outback. Uh, much better steaks. Uh, very nice. Is this like sub Chris level? Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's a good. That's an apt sort of comparison there. It's it's better than Outback, uh, but but definitely a little lower on on the on the totem pole than Ruth's Chris. So you kind of get sort of a a mid tier offering there. So I I, th- I think that. 
you know, I mean, Outback, for all that it has to offer with its blooming onion or blooming onion and whatever else, I mean, I, you know, they're facing a lot of headwinds in, in a, a space that's really having some trouble. The only thing that surprises me about this is uh, I, I've been, so they own five restaurants. I've been to two of them. I've been to Bonefish Grill before. I've been to Outback. Bonefish Steakhouse is really before. good. I mean, and uh, uh, just like we were talking before about Target not being a troubled retailer in the way that, you know, others are. Um, I, I look at the experience at these restaurants, not just most myself, but uh, people I know. Like it's generally a good experience. So part of me looks at this and says, "Well, wait a minute. Are you just doing a horrible job of managing your cost structure?" Or, because they seem to have the, the arguably the most basic thing about a restaurant, which is, "Can I get a good meal there?" They seem to have that down. Yeah, but they also can't really pass on much of the price increases that they're going to feel in any food cost inflation. I don't think that, I don't think that Outback or Carabas people aren't going to pay fifteen bucks for a blooming onion. <laughs> I just don't think they generate the same kind of customer loyalty that you might see at some other restaurants. I think they they face uh they face some hurdles where that's concerned. And I mean, you know, steakhouses these days are a dime a dozen, so it it's like I think I think people are sort of starting to feel like, well, if I'm going to go out and do something like that, let's really Let's make it count, and and so that I think that's why you see something like a Fleming's maybe attracting more customers because it's it's just it's a better experience, better food, uh, and you feel like you're getting what you're paying for. I mean, Outback often can feel like you're just being herded around like the cattle that they're slaughtering, right? It's just like, well, <laughs> thanks just, for that. It's image. just kind of a mess getting in and out of there at times. I feel obliged to comment about the menu at Outback. <laughs> I was just going to go there with give you, us, so by all a, means. I have been living As, in Australia for a year and a half, and I have never seen a blooming onion. <laughs> I assure you, that is not an Aussie thing. Uh, Foster's, no. Foster's beer, no. It's Australian for beer, isn't it? No, that's uh, a lie. You're saying that's an advertising lie that's been fed to America? They're playing know, to our ignorant stereotypes. I know it's hard to believe, especially because Paul Hogan used to do the commercials, and Americans love Paul Hogan and trust him, and we should. He's a great Australian. <laughs> he is a great Australian. But no, it's not Foster's, not Bloomin' Onions. Aussies do love steaks. They do love grilling. They're all about grilling. Is there, so that's a, legit. Is there any sort of well-regarded national restaurant chain? Is there? Is, mm. it, it, obviously, it's not Outback Steakhouse. They're not trying to push that on people who actually live in Australia. <laughs> My but favorite just, is the, like, when they do the commercials for Outback, and they just really lay on the super thick Australian accent. I mean, it just give me some credit, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> Hmm. You know, they're not as big. There are chains in Australia, but it's not as chainy as it is here. And honestly, now that I'm a dad, I don't really make it out to steakhouses all that much anymore, except when I'm on work trips like I am now. <laughs> and I went to raise the steaks last night in Arlington. Nice. Can't recommend it enough. <laughs> nice. We will end there. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. As Cheers. always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.